I'm Ian McIntosh and welcome to the show that said nice things about three unfashionable teams last week and watched in horror as every single one of them failed to win at the weekend. But oh, the power we wield. This week, sweet thundering Christ, what's gone wrong at Bolton Wanderers? As if they don't have enough problems, we sent Matt Stanger there to find out. At least we can't hex them any worse than they are already. We can hex Newport though. What the hell are they doing on the fringes of the League 2 playoffs? We take a look at the team that mounted the greatest of escapes last season and now has the temerity to push for promotion. And as sacking season begins in earnest, we speak to the first Football League manager to get the chop this season. What happened at Northampton? What regrets does he have? And what now? It's all on the Totally Football League show. All right, we're back. The traditional difficult second show. But the first one went well. I think Alex McLeish was lovely. Um, thank you very much for all the reviews on iTunes. Those things are, well, they're our lifeblood. So do keep them coming. And it's a really good way of letting us know what you want to listen to as well. C.D. Morby, for example, called our first show Quality EFL Coverage. And he wants us to look at Barnsley. Well, consider it done, CD. Uh, Mikey Gregg said it was a great pod, and he said he'd have given us five stars if we'd focused on Shrewsbury. He actually four-starred us, because we didn't talk about Shrewsbury. He has a very high bar of expectation, but that's cool. We'll take that on board, and we will be doing Shrewsbury soon. Here's another one. I find Ian McIntosh's condescending tone and complete lack of football awareness a turn-off, and I urge you to do the same. I didn't even think my wife was listening to the first show, but there, <laughs> there she is, bless her. Uh, we'll have more of these later if you want your voice heard at The Totally Show is where we are on Twitter. At The Totally Football Show is us on Facebook. But that's enough of that. The Totally Football League Show is all about the stories and telling them today. We're delighted to welcome the former Northampton town manager, Justin Edinburgh. Justin, you're just back from Dubai. How was it? Very, very nice time. Quite strange to be holidaying in uh, late September. First time since I've left school that <laughs> I haven't only been away in May. So... Um, I think my wife was happy and I suppose everything that is bad sometimes has a silver lining. Yeah, I guess it's a sort of <laughs> compensate. But how long how long did it take before you unwound? How many cocktails? I think first and foremost, you, you're disappointed in, in, in losing uh, your job. I think in the circumstances and the timing of it was made me a little bit angry. But uh, no, I think once away, you know, you switch off, uh, you rewind, enjoy some quality time with my wife and... Um, you know, look forward to to getting back involved. Hopefully, when the the, the right project uh, becomes available again. Fantastic. And we also have Matt Stanger, the editor of the set pieces and long-suffering Blackburn Rovers fan. Nice weekend, Matt. Do you go to Dubai? No, I was in Blackburn. Well, so that's, that's quite almost as good. Yeah. Um, okay. If you weren't listening last week, you might be slightly taken aback by the structure of the show. We don't start at the top of the championship and then work our way down. No, we'll start with the uh, with the best story. And uh, the best story today is in League One because it is, of course, Northampton. But first of all, let's find out what happened at the weekend. We'll start with the good news. Southend United won their first game since the start of the season, beating Fleetwood 4-2. It wasn't such a good weekend for our featured team. Northampton were beaten at home by Bradford, thanks to a quite marvellous free kick from Tony McMahon. And there was frustration for Carl Robinson's Cholton, who were held one all by Berry. Matt? Peterborough beat Wigan 3-2 in a real ding-dong battle at London Road. Junior Marias scored a brace, and he was playing for non-league state albums this time last year. Plymouth lost 3-0 at home to Doncaster, and it was another unholy mess for the Pilgrims at Home Park. Whereas Rochdale beat Gillingham 3-0 to bring an end to A.D. Pennock's reign, 
and uh, former boss Peter Taylor's back in charge on a caretaker basis. Well, I'll tell you, it was a bad start to the weekend for Wimbledon fans. Uh, they were beaten 2-0 at home by a team they referred to only as Milton Keynes. Uh, Blackpool had a great result last week, but that run ended swiftly. They were beaten 3-1 by Bristol Rovers, and it's just one point in three games for Pep Clotet's Oxford after they were beaten 2-1 at home by Walsall. First away win of the season for the Saddlers there. The curtains come down on John Sheridan's third permanent spell in charge of Oldham uh, following a 5-1 defeat at Rotherham. Kiefer Moore hit a brace for the Millers, which takes him to eight goals for the season, and he's the highest scorer in the football league. Scunthorpe beat Portsmouth 2-0. If anyone's been for the midweek carvery the Irons are always tweeting about, do let us know. You like your beef, right, Ian? <laughs> and Shrewsbury were held 1-1 by the mighty Blackburn Rovers. Uh, Tony Mowbray actually blasted Blackburn's worst display of the season, but uh, I think a point away to the only remaining unbeaten team in the football league is quite decent. That's the stuff. Optimism gets you through the darkest times. Let's have a look at Northampton then. Um, They are quite the time of it in the 1960s. They started the decade in the fourth division. By 1965, they were in the first division. And by 1969, they were back down in the fourth division. Uh, A year later, they were famously battered 8-2 by George Best-infused Manchester United. Uh, You can still watch that game on YouTube. Like so many lower league teams, though, their arse dropped out in the 1990s. They went into administration in 92, twice avoided relegation to the conference, once in 1993 when they came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 on the last day of the season, and then again in 1994 when non-league you might remember this, they were denied promotion because their stadium didn't fit football league criteria. They moved to the Sixfield Stadiums in 1994 and they've rarely had a dull season since, pinging between the two divisions, uh, two lower divisions, with four promotions, three relegations, four unsuccessful playoff campaigns. Chris Wilder took over in January 2014 and uh, promoted back to the third flight in 2016. He left to go to Sheffield United. Rob Page took over for a time and was then followed by one just in Edinburgh. And this season, a 60% stake in Northampton was purchased by the Chinese group 5U Sport. Uh, Justin, you had a great time of it at Northampton. Um, you, you had good times at Gillingham as well, but it didn't it didn't work out at Northampton. And to be honest, you weren't really given very long there, were you? I don't believe so. I think four games into to a 46-game season um, doesn't really give anyone... Uh, the greatest of opportunity to to build anything, um, but I think that's the the industry. I mean, I understand that. I, think I love the game, but I, I don't love the industry. Um, but you know, you you accept it. I was uh, disappointed in the way it ended. A quick phone call to to relieve me of my duties, and I, I'd spent a long summer building, which I believe is a very good squad. There, Jimmy Hasselbank's come in and 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 won some football matches, which. You know, I, I believed that I would have been able to do with the, the players that are put in place. So it, it was disappointing because I'd been brought in um, in January to save a team from certain relegation. They'd lost nine of their previous 11 league matches. Uh, they was tumbling towards the, the bottom of the uh, of League One. And, and the trust was put into me to, to save them from relegation, which I did comfortably. You know, other managers were, were employed around the same time that couldn't see off relegation and, and, and took teams down but um, to be given four games into the, to the next season for me was uh, was an un, unfair uh, dismissal and a, and a challenge that I wouldn't have been able to be successful with in, in four games you know the four teams that I played were the top four I was going to say you got stiff by the fixture computer didn't you yeah no we did yeah, um, Charlton uh, Peterborough and Shrewsbury who no one thought were, were yeah. a force Fleetwood at the time were, were in the top four 
you know, the Shrewsbury game, we lost 1-0, 93rd minute winner. You know, we were denied a, a blatant penalty uh, in the last minute. We then played Fleetwood at home. We had good chances to win win the game uh, and we were undone there. We had a couple of bad score lines in the next two games, but it was always in the game at Charlton. Perhaps not at Peterborough, but on their day, they, they can tear anyone apart, which they're continuing to do now. They're free scoring, brought some good players. You know, I think they've spent over half a million pounds on, on Marriott in the summer. You know, so you... I think with the investment in Northampton, I think people had a little bit of an unrealistic um, beliefs in, in what they should be achieving. But you know, all all the best to Jimmy. I, I know that I've left him with a, a squad that's capable of getting results in that league. I was going to sure. say there's there's some players in there. Um, Matt Crooks, who I noticed as he started and finished a brilliant move that led to a goal against Southend, um, and Matt Grimes, who was a two million pound transfer to Swansea a couple of years ago. I mean, they're, they're real talents. I'd attracted some very good players to the football club. I'd worked hard uh, in the summer to recruit a squad that I felt that would take us into the top half of, of the League One. It obviously wasn't the start we wanted, but we knew it was a difficult start. We'd been handed a real, real tough start, and, and that's continuing for Northampton, you know. They're away at MK Dons, they then go to Rotherham. Um, the league's a tough league, it's unforgiving. I think you spoke about some of the results uh, of the previous weekend and you know anyone can beat anyone but um, yeah no it was Crooks he's a good player we worked hard to get him to the football club through the summer from Rangers I followed him closely at Accrington uh, along with Josh Windast and um, you know we, we worked hard to get him there he obviously come to the club in pre-season he missed the first three or three and a bit weeks of pre-season so he was a little bit behind the rest, but I think Crooks is coming to, to his own now and he's starting to, to produce some performances, what I'm told, that you know everyone would expect of him. Do you think things changed when the, um, when the Chinese investment came in? Do you think the, the goalposts were shifted a bit? I believe so, but I think it's always that it's not perhaps if the club within are not honest and, and, and open about what their realistic targets are, the fans will get caught up in it. And I understand that. Everyone wants their team to over overachieve and that and that will be every manager, every player. He wants to overachieve. But with what was invested, we were probably gone from a team that was likely to finish between 17th and 24th to a team that may, you know, go into the upper reaches of, of the top 12. But I mean, no more than that. How far can a club like Northampton go? Is that, you know, are they the kind of club, better Chinese investment, they can power up to the Premier League? I think there's always everything's achievable um, you know but uh, I think it has to be a steady progress I think everyone and anyone who thinks they can come in and and immediately gain success for any football club um, is being unrealistic Now I mean it must be incredibly difficult in this industry where you feel like every manager has to announce their, their philosophy mm-hmm. that they've got a project they've got an eye on the future and then people get sacked so quickly that they haven't even got time to get to the striker's next birthday that must be incredibly <laughs> frustrating you know when you go for these interviews when you're asked to to do presentations powerpoint presentations you, you know you feel my philosophy is first and foremost you've got to win football matches how you do that well by by any way that you can that allows you to then put pa- plans in place to build and progress a football club but it's, it's becoming a very difficult challenge now uh, to be able to go into any football club um, and look beyond 
the first four or five games of getting immediate results. You know, people say, oh, are you are you interested in the, the youth? Are you interested in, you know, bringing uh, young players through your, your team? Well, you, you haven't got chances to do that. You know, you've got to you've got to hit the ground immediately. You know, people expect, people are demanding, um, and it's becoming a very difficult challenge. But one that I feel I'm more than capable of doing. I think you know, I went to to every club I've been at. I've, I've took over a club that probably has not been in the most healthiest positions, but always left the club with a far greater squad and, and, a, and a better position than, than I took them over. Um, Matt, you, you spent some time in China recently, didn't you? Were you quite surprised to see Northampton getting Chinese investment? And do we know much about these guys? Yeah, I think uh, they were actually only set up about 10 years ago, 5U Sports, which uh, is obviously a very catchy name and uh, <laughs> something that they want to try and get a bit of international fame with. And I think you know they've said that they saw Northampton as the perfect project to uh, to get a foot in in English football. And like Justin said, you know anything's achievable really with with the right sort of investment. And you know I think they they probably are targeting uh, a couple of promotions there within the next few few years, five to ten years maybe. But, uh, you know, having spoken to a few people in China about them, I think really their focus is on currying favour with, you know, significant figures back over there who, uh, you know, it's well publicised aim uh, that China want to try and win a World Cup by 2050. And it's it's really a, a hugely growing sport and industry in, in China. And so they've already taken a few Northampton Academy coaches out actually to Guangzhou, uh, where, where the company's based. And they've had uh, coaching sessions put on there with local youngsters. So I think the plan is to try and help promote the sport back home as well. Um, you saw the game against Bradford uh, at the weekend. Well, we both did, actually. Uh, what did you reckon of Northampton under Jimmy Floyd? I Couldn't thought... beat Southend. That's the main thing. Squandered th- a 2-0 lead. Just wanted to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought North- I thought Northampton played quite well, but I do think Brad- Bradford are a much more settled side at the moment. And, uh, you know, they're one of the strongest teams in this division. And they recovered from that defeat at home to Blackburn. I just wanted to mention that. Uh, pretty well in the last few weeks. <laughs> Um, you know, Northampton showed a lot of industry, which is a, a word football journalists like to use uh, in the absence of a cutting edge. And uh, yeah, they didn't really create a, a huge amount of chances. Or Mark Richards had um, a really, really good chance just to right the death there to, to snatch a point. I think perhaps Northampton lacked a, a little bit of width. Uh, Hasselbank's sort of switched from, uh, I think you were playing like a 3 5 2 formation earlier this season. It looked like Justin and uh, Hasselbank's gone to four at the back and uh, he's sort of playing three strikers at the moment. Um, you know, Chris Long and uh, Chris Long actually had to go off in the first half as well with a hamstring injury, and uh, he, he's probably going to be missing for for a couple of weeks now. Justin, it's always been sort of perceived wisdom of lower league football is a place for four four two and nothing else because it'll overcomplicate matters because British people can't do anything else. But you you were there with the back three. Does it cause that many problems, or are players pretty versatile now? What I think you find um, is that players need results for them to to believe in what you're. You're looking to achieve. Um, we'd gone from a back four at the end of last season to a back three this season, and you know we in our first three games we lost one nil. If we could have got a result um, in all three of those, which we possibly could, then then the players will 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 hang on to what you're saying and they'll and they'll have a belief and and that transfer into confidence. I think once they're not, you know, they become a bit protective and they feel that perhaps that's not the right system, the right shape. They're not. You know they they'll always want to revert back to their traditional four four two, which everyone's been brought up on in the English game. But I, I do feel that it's not about systems; it's about players. If 
you get good players, they, they'll adapt and, and and they'll have an understanding and a and a know how to win any football match in any system. What now for you? Do you um, do you go on sabbatical or do you do the thing where you travel around, see other other training methods? I think I'll be busy. I, I think I need to keep myself busy. I want to to go and you know study a couple of other training regimes, some different ideas. You're you know, going to so, be calling in at Spurs. Yes, I mean to be fair, when we when Gillingham played uh, Tottenham, uh, Mauricio Pochettino was was fantastic, very open um, and, and very talkative, and, and gave me uh, contact number. So I think now I've got the time. I'd, I'd be a fool not to go and uh, take up that uh, opportunity and that invite to go and, and watch the first team at Tottenham. I think I've got some good friends in the game where I can go and take a step back, watch how they do things, try and pick up some different ideas. And Saturday to Saturday, you know, you're going to be watching watching the results come in with sort of one eye on struggling clubs, thinking yeah, might be a job there soon. I'll go and watch games. I think you have to go and be observant, uh, go and be a bit of um, a student, go and look at different ways of playing and different games. I'm going to go and watch Newport play Crawley tonight. Um, obviously, being my old club, and um, just want to go and have a little look at that. I think I'll just take in a, a game from different levels each week. Um, and, and then see what arises. But obviously, when I want to get back in. It's something I've done since I left school. I feel I've got a lot to offer. I think I've been a very successful manager so far in, in every club that I've managed, uh, and I feel there's a lot more to come. Matt, if uh, if you want to go see Northampton uh, any time, um, give us a skinny. Well, if you fancy taking in a Northampton game before the Chinese money fires into the Premier League and the ticket prices go up, <laughs> then uh, Sixfield is very easy to get to. There are a couple of car parks near the ground. It's only £4 at Dustin Mill, uh, but avoid parking at nearby cinema as you could end up with a £60 ticket. Oof. Uh, it's also worth checking if Northampton Saints Rugby Club are at home on the same day as it can get a bit competitive for car parking on those uh, occasions. Um, the train station's a two-mile walk from the ground, but you can jump on the number 15 bus, get off at the Bella Italia, and try the Carbonara. It's very good. Uh, for ticket prices, the adults uh, are £22 usually, seniors 18, uh, under-18s are only a tenner, and under-17s go free. You really went above and beyond on that. Well played. Um, you won't be able to see them at home for a while, though. They uh, play away at Milton Keynes. Don's tonight and they've got five goal specialists Rotherham away at the weekend two away games and speaking of struggling outfits going on the road the Totally Football Show live November the 8th Birmingham more dates to follow do you want to know what your first cornerstone shave feels like you know when you've been struggling with a really bad tin opener and every time you try to open a tin of mushy peas, it's an absolute ordeal. They won't work properly and you get sore fingers and you end up having to stick those fingers under jagged metal and wrench the lid off just to get your mushy peas out. And then, after months of putting up with it, you buy yourself a brand new tin opener, a really good one, and suddenly everything's quick and easy. It's like opening a tin with a lightsaber. Cornerstone take all the hassle out of shaving. Let them know how often you defuzz and sign up to one of their plans and you'll never have to worry about running out of blades ever again because they'll deliver them right to your door. To get yourself started, head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. You'll receive a personally engraved razor and six super sharp blades for just £4. That's cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. I'm Ian McIntosh and thanks to Cornerstone, I can eat mushy peas every day. Right, it's time to play Fan League. Now, if you haven't heard of the Fan League, it's, um, it's not that dissimilar from the football pools, 
but it's on your phone. You get a slip with 13 games, some from the Premier League, some from the Championship, and you just pick home win, away win, or draw. And that's it. And the more you get right, the more chance of winning big cash prizes. I think you have to get 10 out of 13 to uh, start winning the money, which I did not do this weekend. No one needs any help with Premier League predictions, but there might be a few people who need a bit of help with Championship. So let's see what's on the list. First up, Aston Villa at home to Bolton. Matt, you saw Bolton um, at the weekend. Have they got any chance at all, or is this three wins on the bounce for Villa? Uh, three wins on a bounce for me. <laughs> no no hesitation. Not a trace of doubt. Um, Justin, what do you think about this one? Home win. Yeah, God, it's really bad for Bolton at the moment, isn't it? We'll, we'll have a closer look at them right now. Um, but what about Aston Villa? Steve Bruce, under a lot of pressure not so very long ago. Well, I think Steve said himself is that, you know, what follows Villa is is a high expectation, instant return to, to the premiership. But if you look at that championship, there's quite an incredible amount of big, big clubs in there. Um, but if there's a man to do it, it's Steve. Um, fast experience, great knowledge of the championship. It takes time. It's not It's not instant. It's not overnight. But I, I no doubt that come the end of the season, Villa will be up there challenging, if not for um, you know the top two, but certainly for the playoffs. Well, I'm in complete agreement. That's three home wins from us. Next up, Burton Albion against Wolves. Now, Burton had a great result at the weekend, holding QPR to a nil-nil draw. Wolves are a very different proposition, though. Uh, you get the impression they're only going to get better from here on in. What do you reckon, Matt? I think Burton are going to snatch a draw in this one, actually. Really? That's a bold shout. I like it. I respect it. Justin? Draw. Oh, Another one. A lot of support for Burton. How is Nigel Clough doing this, by the way? It's it's Burton, with the greatest of respect. I'm quite surprised they got there in the first place. Well, I think what you you know is that if one thing's Nigel knows Burton inside out. You know, I think you know it's obviously his second spell at the football club, but had a long period from from the Northern League up through the the ranks into the football league. You know, had a spell away at Derby, um, but has come back now and. I think he knows the club. I think the club know him. He's got a very good relationship with the chairman. And I think the crowd are, are realistic. They understand that they are in the championship. And I think Wolves won't, won't have been there before. Would their players fancy it? I'm not so sure. And I think Nigel's Burton, they, they do raise their game for the bigger, bigger ties. And that's uh, a tough place to go, the Pirelli Stadium. And I'm, I'm, I think they'll be in for a, for a tough time, Wolves. Cardiff Derby. Cardiff, um, who are 20 points, third in the table and pushing for promotion. I never know what to expect from Derby. They win 5-0 one week, they lose 4-1 the next. Uh, Matt, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm actually going to go for a draw in this one, I think. Yeah, I think Derby, they, uh, they snatched a point against Birmingham, uh, came back from behind at the weekend, so uh, yeah, I think they'll, they'll get another point here. Justin? Home win. Yeah. Do you yeah. think this is um, Neil Warnock's last job, or is he just going to keep going until they carry him out in the box? I think till they carry him out in the box I think he just loves it and he always goes on about he loves the championship I think he's always gone on about that the premiership's not for him um, but boy does he do a good job in the championship Have you ever come up against him as a manager? Not as a manager I've met him a few times um, did my pro licence down in Wales um, and was privileged to be able to go in and have a Q&A session with Neil um, at the end of last season and um, he, he was very bubbly and optimistic you know, not one of the biggest spenders in that in that championship, but wily old fox and knows how to get the best out of players. I mean, he's took in Lee Tomlin, 
you know, a player had it, Rashton Diamonds in non-league, who's, you know, went to play in the Premiership with Bournemouth, but top, top Championship player. He took uh, Mendes Lang out of Rochdale, one who was drifting, um, so he's getting the best out of him. Some really good players there, but what Neil does is, does he get a good team spirit and camaraderie and... And any manager or any player tell you that, that if you've got that right, that'd take you a long, long way. Well, that's me sold. I'm going for a home win as well. By the way, I'd uh, buck the trend. I'd go for a Wolves win away at Burton. Uh, the final game on the slip is Reading against Norwich. Matt, tough one, this. Yeah, both of these sides have had mixed starts, really, haven't they? I think Reading could just shade it, though. OK, I'm going for a draw there, Justin. Draw for me. Um, Daniel Fark coming in... Um, and and taking that job, does that kind of does that make it more difficult for British managers? If there's no doubt that that's becoming very difficult for for young English managers to to go and progress and further themselves, certainly for a young English manager in League One or two to now go and get a Championship job is becoming very difficult. I think it's the fact now that you would have to take a club out of League One. Uh, into the championship to probably get the job. You know, Chris Wilder's done that fantastically at Sheffield United. You know, he's, he's got promotion last season, uh, gone on to take him in, you know, in the playoff positions now, done a fantastic job there. I know Gary Rowett left Burton to get the Birmingham job, but, you know, you're not, I don't think we're going to see too many of young managers coming out of League One or two to get a championship job because, you know, what we are seeing is a lot of. Uh, foreign investment into championship clubs now and that, that tends to uh, they bring foreign managers or, or or first team coaches along with them so it's going to be a bit difficult for, for the to stop that trend Alright that's the Fan League if you want to play Fan League with us just download the app it's called Fan League and when you've done that search for me Ian McIntosh I'll invite you to join the Totally Football League League and you'll be able to go up against Matt and I and that's what Patrick Gamble did and he hit 10 out of 13 last weekend and won some money honourable mention to Richard Wyatt who got 9 and thanks very much to Tom Waterman who was the only other person in the league to finish bottom of the table with just 6 um, because someone forgot to put their slip in didn't they Alex McLeish. <laughs> he texted me over the weekend every time one of his results came in. He was very happy, but he did very well. Actually. Yeah, he did a lot better than us. Yeah, yeah, did not go well. All right, when we come back, we'll be looking at the championship and Bolton Wanderers. It's the championship. Uh, let's find out what happened, first of all, at the weekend, where no doubt as to the best game of the weekend, the Sheffield Derby. Sheffield United's extraordinary 4-2 victory over Wednesday at Hillsborough. A game so good, it got me through an afternoon of building IKEA furniture, which is, which is no mean feat. There were tears. On Saturday, a day mercifully free of IKEA trips, Wolves won three big points, responding to an injury time equaliser from Barnsley with an injury time winner. And it gets worse and worse for Sunderland. They were beaten 2-1 at home by Cardiff. Matt? It was another painful afternoon for Bolton as Brentford picked up their first win of the season with three screamers at the Macron Stadium. I was Lee Carsley's paperboy back in the day when he was at Blackburn, but it was the Birmingham caretaker who delivered on Saturday. Oh, God. A point away to Derby. And Fulham won, Middlesbrough won. Again, the term peg back was made for as Fulham took the lead on 86 minutes through striker Abubakar Kamara who, by the way, wears number 47 on his shirt. AK-47, get it? No way. And then Cyrus Christie fired by his equaliser two minutes later, just before the final whistle. OK, we mentioned it earlier, but back-to-back wins for Aston Villa. 
in the battle of second flight former European Cup winners. 2-1 win over Forrest there and poor old Leonard Slutsky denied an away win by a late goal from Reading at Majeski. And then there's QPR who blew everybody's fan league slip by only drawing 0-0 at home to Burton. Thank you QPR. Leeds beat Ipswich 3-2. Mick McCarthy said Leeds dodged a bullet against his Ipswich side after the Ipswich goalkeeper dropped a clanger to give the league leaders a 3-2 win at Elland Road. Pontus Janssen was missing for the host but is expected to return against Cardiff. Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. But there was silence between the Canaries and the Robins at Carroll Road, Ian, <laughs> as neither Sweet side could Jesus. find a breakthrough. <laughs> and Preston Millwall also played out a stalemate following their impressive results the previous weekend against Birmingham and Leeds. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Matt. Um, Unhelpfully, this pod will go out of date very quickly, though after that, that might be a blessing. Uh, There's a full midweek round of fixtures, including the the top-of-the-table clash between Cardiff and Leeds. I'm sure we'll all be watching. Um, But to Bolton. We sent you to Millwall last week. We sent you to Bolton this week. Matt, tell us how you got on. I got on very well, Ian. It was uh, really good to watch Brentford play. They played brilliantly. (laughs) Quite miserable for the home side, though. Uh, bit of a change in atmosphere from the Millwall game the previous week. Yeah, just a bit. Just to bring everyone up to speed, um, particularly people who last saw Bolton as they tumbled out the Premier League, having been kind of consistent top eight outfit under Sam Allardyce. What the hell happened there? Well, yeah, like you say, it was a decade ago they got a 2-2 draw away to Bayern Munich in Europe under Gary Megson. And since then, really, it's been all downhill. They were relegated in 2012 under Owen Coyle. And the club had always relied on benefactor Eddie Davis, but they were now left with a crippling wage bill and obviously that huge TV money deficit. They spent a bit to try and bounce straight back up, but missed out on the playoffs on goal difference in that first season in the championship. And then uh, they plummeted down into League One a couple of years ago. Uh, They were relegated with just five wins all season and finished 19 points from safety in the championship. In early 2016, a winding up order was issued by HMRC over an unpaid £3 million tax bill. But then a consortium involving former striker Dean Holdsworth took over and uh, that was also involving Ken Anderson, the current chairman, and his group Inner Circle, which I think is a fantastic name. Um, So anyway, whenever their takeover was completed, it was reported that Davis wiped off around £180 million worth of debt and he was made an honorary president after that, which uh, which you'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd hope so, wouldn't you? Uh, Phil Parkinson was appointed as manager uh, in summer 2016 and despite the transfer embargo still being in place, he led the team to automatic promotion. But almost a year after the takeover, Dean Holdsworth sold his shares to Anderson after the pair had a bit of a falling out over the sale of promising forward Zach Clough to Nottingham Forest. Uh, Rob Holding also left for Arsenal during that period as well. So, you know, Bolton had been bringing some young players through that uh, looked like they could go on and be, be stalwarts in the first team, but uh, they never really got the chance. Uh, now, now Anderson is in charge uh, pretty much on his own. He owns around 95% of the shares, I believe. Uh, but the future of the club remains uncertain. Justin, you've taken teams to the Reebok Stadium. It, it must be a bit weird now. You know, all the empty seats and the sad-eyed despondency everywhere. I don't think you can underestimate the job that Phil Parkinson's done uh, under very difficult circumstances. He left uh, left Bradford where he'd done a fantastic job there. Took him to cup finals. Um, promotions and and was building something very very good, but I think always the challenge of of such a big club would be tempting, and to gain promotion, automatic promotion, his first year was was a very uh, good job done. But now going into that championship, even of what a decade ago they were playing by Munich, lots changed, and that you know being in administration, the off field problems, 
Um, they're, they're not going to be out competing the championship with the with the lights of the teams that are in there at the present time. So, for me, if they can if they can remain in the championship this year, then that would be another fantastic achievement. I'm Matt. They I watched the tape on Sunday and they they actually looked pretty good for like the first. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Yeah, they started really well, actually. Gary Medina had a couple of chances. He hit the post with one effort. Uh, Adam Armstrong was um, lively as well in final third. And Anthony Robinson, who they've got on loan from Everton, mm. he was flying down the left wing and putting a couple of great balls as well. So it actually looked like, you know, be- between two teams that uh, hadn't picked up a win all season until until Saturday, it looked like uh, Bolton might be the one that would shade it. But then Brentford settled and... You know, we've always said that Brentford's league position, uh, you know, perhaps disguised what a good footballing team they are. And, that, you know, why not they start to pass it around with Unaris in midfield and Sawyers, who I think is a, an excellent playmaker and has really stepped up this season after Hotter's uh, sailed to Birmingham. They took complete control. What about the fans? What, what were they like? Pretty miserable, Ian. They've started terribly this season on the pitch and there was a definite air of dejection. Where do we start? I think the feeling at the end of that's resignation more than anything. I think the feeling before the end of September is that we'll be back in League One next season today was supposedly a six pointer whereby we'd see if we could go toe to toe with the likes of Brentford who are going to be in and around the, the relegation zone and we were totally outclassed. I think Park needs to go I thought, I mean, the midfield didn't work hard enough, full backs were our best players and the defence weren't in shape really and we, had, we can't score and they, we were playing against teams who have more money and better players and we're going to lose so I think we deserve to lose In whatever formation we tried whatever substitutions Phil Parkinson made we just weren't, weren't on Brentford's level and it, it seems as though we'll be occupying 24th space in the Championship You know, it's, it's difficult because last season despite all the struggles off-field they, you know, they, they they came second in the league and, and they got promotion. It was a, a time to celebrate, and they were back in the championship. And you know, with the takeover and talk of, uh, of of other consortiums with perhaps a bit more money, looking to get involved in the club as well. You know, it's um, yeah, reason for plenty of optimism. But they've come back up and they've really started miserably. They picked up only two points so far. And uh, I was actually talking to Duncan Alexander, who you had on the Totally Show yesterday, and he was saying that. Uh, they could match the worst ever start in the second tier, which is two points from 14 games by Coventry in 1919-1920 season. Justin, can I get out of this? I think they've got to stay together a bit. And I think they, that the fans have got to come together. It's been some tough times and some dark days of, of late. Um, and I believe they can. I think that they will, as long as everyone sticks together, uh, are mindful of, of the problems that they've they have still, but you know they'll 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 fight for it. Um, and I think with Phil Parkinson at the helm, then yeah, I, I believe that they're you know like I say, if they if they can survive uh, this season, then then they can perhaps build from there. But what they don't want to be doing is going straight back down to League One. That would be, that would be pretty much a disaster for for everyone involved in a football club. Matt? I think. Part of the, the biggest problem they have is, is up front really they've lost the last six matches in all competitions and haven't scored a goal in those fixtures and it was a, a challenge for them even last season whenever they came up they only scored 68 goals in total in League 1 which is the same as Bristol Rovers who finished 10th and 12th fewer than 3rd place Scunthorpe and the two top scorers last season Josh Vella who they're really sorely missing through injury at the moment and Gary Medine only, only bagged 10 each so I think Phil Parkinson's biggest aim is going to be to try and get some competition in up front 
the defensive record was excellent last year, wasn't it? Best then, in the division. Yeah, yeah. so you, you can see where they've, they've built their success last season. Again, the step up, very difficult. It's, it's between League One and Championship. There's as big a gulf as there is between a Championship and Premiership. Really? But, well, I think so. You've got to look at the teams in that, in that Championship now. All, all of them in their own right would probably feel, a lot of them, 12, 15 clubs will feel their Premiership side. Um, and probably Bolton's fans probably do feel that they're, they're entitled to be in, in, in the Premiership. But a lot changes when you drop out of uh, of that Championship and then go to League One. But, uh, you know, their defence was solid last year, but you know, they're creaking a little bit this season. I think you just have to look at the, the money that Brentford have invested in signing players from the lower league as well. Ollie Watkins tormented Bolton all afternoon on Saturday and they signed him from Exeter for, I believe, around £1.5 million. So if that's what you have to pay to get players from, from League 2 up to the Championship, then Bolton, having been under this transfer embargo, which I believe has just been lifted a, a week ago, it's you know such a huge challenge for them. Matt, if you want to go watch Bolton, tell me, tell me how you'd do that. Well, how to get there? Probably best taking the train to Horwich Parkway, which is right outside the stadium. There are regular services from Manchester and Preston. Don't do what I did on Saturday and get on the wrong train. <laughs> you can also park at the huge retail park at the Macron Stadium, but be warned, I did this with my dad once and it took us around two hours to get away after the game. And in the end, we gave up and went to Pizza Hut. <laughs> for ticket prices, it's uh, 15 to £35 pounds for adults, 7 to £12 pounds for under-18s, which I think is really reasonable, and 20 to £40 pounds for a family ticket, which is one adult, one child. All right, thank you very much, Matt. When we come back, we'll be looking at League Two and Newport County. Have you ever refused to listen to that album that everyone says you simply must listen to? Well, if it's a Red Hot Chili Peppers album, then you've probably made the correct decision. But if you want to see what happens when people are forced to listen to great albums they previously missed, people like J.K. Rowling, Richard Osman and Ian Rankin, then Ruth and Martin's Album Club is the book for you. It's available now on Amazon and actual bookshops. League two then, it's three straight wins for Luton Town now after their 1-0 victory over managerless Chesterfield. It's two straight wins for popular boss Steve Evans at Mansfield after his side beat Cambridge 2-1. Not that he was particularly impressed. On my way home, I'm going to buy a tin of paint from B&Q, he said afterwards. I'm going to paint the wall and watch it dry, because it might be better than watching that game again. And in a match you'll be hearing a little more about in a moment, Newport beat Grimsby 1-0. Matt. Uh, two late goals gave Swindon the bragging rights over Forest Green, with Matty Taylor climbing off the bench in the 77th minute to set up captain Ollie Lancashire and then seal the victory himself. High-flying Accrington Stanley stumbled at home to Cheltenham as Caden Jackson cancelled out Moise's opener for the visitors. And Jimmy Smith scored twice for Crawley at Barnet, including an 89th-minute winner to claim all three points from Abercule's side. Hey, Kevin Nolan is having far more fun in his second managerial role at Notts County than he did in his first at Leighton Orient. He signed a three-year deal last week and celebrated by thumping Lincoln 4-1. Stevenage, meanwhile, are creeping up on the playoffs. They beat Morecambe 2-1. And Port Vale's first game in a post-Michael Brown era brought a point away at Yeovil. Craig McHale-Smith grabbed his first goal for Wickham as they won at Colchester while Exeter suffered the curse of the Totally Football League show, losing for the first time this season away to Coventry. So good luck to Bolton, Northampton and Newport this week. <laughs> Two weeks ago, crew were 5-1 winners at Gresty Road against Chesterfield, but on Saturday they were humbled 5-0 at home to Carlisle, for whom Football League veteran Clint Hill made his debut. Michael Raines had a bit of a stinker against his former club in this one. Outstanding. Now, Newport. How much do you know about Newport? 
Hey, I'm going to blow your mind. Newport reached the quarterfinals of the Cup Winners' Cup in 1981, only to be beaten by a crack East German outfit, Carl Zeiss Jena. But eight years later, kaboom. That's the noise of them vanishing in a big puff of IOU notes. And they reappeared as a Phoenix club in, I think, the Hellenic Leagues, if memory serves me rightly. In 2011, though, they appointed one just in Edinburgh. And in 2012, in a bizarre turn of events, they were bought by lottery winner Les Scadding. Well, Justin took them up into the league in 2013 and in 2015 had them in sixth place in League Two before leaving for Gillingham, just a couple of months after Scadding had stepped down and handed control to a supporters' trust. Since then, Terry Butcher, John Sheridan, Warren Feeney and Graham Wesley have all had a crack at this without any success. And having finished 90th in the league in 2016, it seemed that Newport would go one worse last season. And then midfielder Michael Flynn was hired as caretaker and pulled off an extraordinary escape. And Matt, if that wasn't extraordinary enough, it's getting even more extraordinary, isn't it? Because they're on the fringes of the playoffs. It is, Ian. They're just a point outside at the moment. They're sitting in eighth. Uh, they've had some great results so far this season. They obviously couldn't play the first three games uh, at Rodney Parade because the pitch was being relayed. But they uh, they started really well away. They beat Coventry 1-0, which was a huge result. Uh, and then whenever they did return to Rodney Parade, they thrashed Chesterfield 4-1 with Frank Nubel scoring a hat-trick, including a 25-yard screamer. So it's been a brilliant start to the season. They lost to Morecambe last week, and Mike Flynn called his players spineless. Oof. But they responded at the weekend by beating Grimsby 1-0. Justin, you had Mike Flynn in your team when you were there. What, what kind of character is he? Lively one. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. Um, non-stop talker. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, good lad. I mean, knows Newport. He's a Newport boy. So, has the uh, club at heart. Brought him back as a player. I think he'd just finished at, I'm not sure, Bradford or Gillingham somewhere. And we brought him back to Newport. Had two years of playing and then... You know, we, I put him in charge of the youth team. and done a very good job there. You know, we brought through some really good young players in Regan Paul, who went on to be sold to Man United. Tom Owen Evans, who's in the first team now. Aaron Collins, who we sold on to Wolves. Um, so, yeah, they've done a very good job there. And, uh, I mean, he's just carried on from what a fantastic job and the momentum that he, he, he got last season in keeping them up in the... Against all the odds, really. I mean, it was nailed on for them to, to slip out of the league, which would have been a travesty. They, um, they, they could... were miles off the pace. I went to see them in March. It rained all day. That's and... not a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney Parade. I mean, for those who, who haven't seen it, they, Newport share it with two rugby teams. And when it's wet, it's like playing in 12 inches of porridge, isn't it? I mean, how on earth did you get a team promoted on that pitch? It was quite incredible. Um, I used to go down early part of the week and we'd start training and it'd start raining and there would be a rugby game on a Friday night and then we knew we'd be playing there on a Saturday and when we left on a Saturday we knew that there was another game being played there on a Sunday and then we might be back there on a Tuesday uh, it was it was uh, it was tough at times. Did you just spend your entire life apologising to opposing managers for? They were just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's still a few players missing from playing out on that pitch because <laughs> there was so much sand. They used to disappear in the sand pits, but it was it was quite incredible. But, but transformation this season, you know, they've 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 uh, invested a lot of money. I think they've, um, they've got the new yeah, they've got um, taken the over by now. the Welsh Rugby Union. Newport Gwent Dragons, I think they've, they've invested, I think three quarters of a million pound in the pitch. Um, so I think that will will help 
uh, Michael Flynn and uh, and the team this season, which they've they look like they've done. I think their home form since Flynn took over is uh, I think it's been excellent. I think they're the only team they lost to um, since he took over was Blackpool, who obviously gained promotion out of the league last season. So uh, good times ahead, I'm sure, but um, a steady progress. What's it What's it like at Newport? You know, they they don't get the biggest of crowds, but the, there's supporters running the club now. It's a very tight kind of community club, isn't it? Fantastic support. Um, very loyal. I think they've obviously, you know, witnessed going through the, uh, the Hellenic leagues into the, you know, the Southern League into the Conference South, into the Conference, run by the the supporters. Then obviously, um, when I went in there, there was a chairman called Chris Blight who done a very good job to to get them through the leagues. Then Les Scadding come in and and invested some money. Uh, now back into the supporters, but. The, you know, the supporters are very, very hostile at home. It's a tough place to go. When I was there, there were 2,300 people and they made the noise of at least 10,000. And, and they also have something which I haven't experienced at any other football club. They've got a really good drummer. Like, you can keep time and do different <laughs> beats. So it's the only time I haven't just wanted him to be carried away by an eagle. We should get him into Jazz FM. Yeah, we should. He'd be great in here. We'll have a word, see what we can do. Um, Matt, you watched them beat Grimsby. Um, what did you make of them? I did. I thought they played pretty well. They uh, they definitely responded to Mike Flynn's rocket up their arse. Uh, they they were in control for pretty much the whole game. They liked to fire a lot of balls into box because Newball's such a handful, and uh, it was actually that tactic that that brought the goal. A long throw, Newball flicks it on, and Paddy Hammond, who's fox in the box, stabbed home. So yeah, they played well, and uh, I think probably a big thing for them is being having been unbeaten at home so far on that new pitch because it might give the away side's a little bit more encouragement that they can pass the ball a bit round, uh, around a bit more now and Justin you were saying it's a very hostile place to come but you know whenever teams can go there and feel they can settle into their rhythm they maybe feel a bit more confident but but Newport have really made sure that it's still a difficult difficult ground to go to Yeah made it into a fortress um, had Frank at um, Gillingham for a while he, he was without a club well, I signed him at Gillingham done very well I think he can be what he wants Frank on his day and uh, we played when I was at Northampton, we played Newport pre-season. And you got yourself in a really good shape, Frank, and uh, I think he could be a real force for him this season uh, with Armin. They could uh, they could really become a, a you know, formidable force as a, as a pair this season. And you know, who knows? Maybe fire Newport into the playoffs. Did, did you see his hat trick against Chesterfield early in the season? Yeah, absolute cracker, wasn't it? Screamer, wasn't it? One of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's he's capable. You know, six foot three. Very, very strong, but but good, good feet, good technical player. You know, obviously, I think was at Chelsea and West Ham as a kid, so he's got good pedigree. Just probably floated a bit, really, without playing many games. So I think maybe he might have found his home. Well, he floated all the way to China for a short spell, actually, a couple of yeah, last year, start of last year, and uh, yeah, I know what that's like. <laughs> You're back now. It's over. <laughs> it's okay. Listen, if you want to go to Newport, and you should because it's fun, um, you can buy tickets on the club website. £18 is cheapest for adults, but they've got a great range of concessions. If you're between 16 and 21, you can get a ticket for 12 quid. And if they're accompanied by adults, kids under the age of six go free. There is no parking at the Rodney Parade, but there are two whopping great NCP car parks a short walk away. Nearest train station is Newport, and it's only a 10-minute walk from the ground. Just cross the river and you're there. Justin, 
And thing that really struck me about Newport when I was there is there are so many pubs. Every other town, pubs close down on a weekly basis. Newport just doesn't seem to have been affected. Where's the best place if you're staying over for a night out? <laughs> I don't know. I never went out. Um, that is, on. You're with friends here. You can tell us. Well, they'll pull you in any pub. They're, they're very welcoming. <laughs> good people down there. I've got to say, they're, they're, they're really good. They're fanatical supporters, but uh, very warm and welcoming and uh, certainly know how to enjoy themselves. Fantastic. That's Newport. Go to check it out. Right, we've had a few questions coming in and we'll end the show on these. Uh, Justin, first of all, when are you coming back? How long before we see you back in the dugout? I'd like to, to take a little bit of time out, but we, as you know in football, it's not, it's not picky and choosy. You, you know, if something comes up that I feel that is um, maybe a project, something that I can go and get my teeth into and, and have some time there. I know that's not always easy, but I'm looking for, for a challenge that I can go and build something, something that I did at Northampton, uh, at Newport, uh, and, and started to do at Gillingham. Um, so somewhere where I feel that I can really go and influence and input my my thoughts and beliefs in, into the football club. Um, who's your best friend in football? Is it is it one of the Tottenham old boys, Dean Austin, Stuart Nethercott? I still play for the vets with with those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We play sort of once a month for the Tottenham vets. As did a few boys. I got some. Good friends, David Kerslake, who's my assistant manager with, with me at Gillingham and, and been at Northampton with me. Sean Derry's a really good friend from, from my Portsmouth days. Um, you know, keep in touch, Stephen Clements, who's assistant to, to Steve Bruce at Aston Villa, Colin Calderwood. So I think you tend to, it's a bit of a family thing, you know, on a match day, whoever you're up against, what manager you, you, you want to beat them. But I think we all know how tough the job is that, you can pick the phone up to, to most managers and they're, they're, they'll be um, open and honest with you and, and, and give you a hand. So you've got a lot of friends in football. You tend to, to do, keep friends with a lot of them. Matt, Ed Jackson's been in touch. He wants to know, is Carlos Caraval actually doing a good job at Wednesday or a bad one? Two playoff appearances suggest yes, but the football's dire and he spent some money. Yeah, I was speaking to Wednesday fan Laura Jones last week actually about this because I've noticed on social media there's a few Wednesday fans uh, venting their frustration at Carlos Carlaval, Carl and I think that result the weekend really is probably only going to make that worse, isn't it? Uh, he has spent quite a bit of money. They haven't really properly kicked on since they, they their first uh, playoff appearance, and even though they reached the playoffs again last season, I think you know the fans' the expectations gone up an awful lot there. Um, B N E Shrimper. Uh, he wants to know our thoughts on the Nile Ranger goal celebration. This is Nile Ranger who recently released from prison. Uh, scored a goal and took his boot off and pretended it was a gun and pretended to shoot people. Um, uh, for my part, I mean, Robbie Keane used to do this pretty much every week. I'm, I'm not sure it's that bad a thing, is it? Or am I just being a bit partisan? Well, like I said to you, Ian, I think that you'll probably be able to dismiss that until you take your daughter to watch her, her first South End game and he does it in your direction then. <laughs> <laughs> She's not allowed to go. She was supposed to go tonight, but she didn't go to bed on time. So her mum stepped in. Brutal punishment. So uh, I might take you instead, Matt. Oh, cheers, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Buy a scarf. Treat you. Treat you to a night out. Do you still get down to Southend? Because for those who don't know, Justin started his career at Southend before earning the move to Spurs. I do. I I try and get down. Obviously, it was it was a local club to me. Still living in Essex, so you know, if they were playing on a night that I wasn't managing, then I'd always go and take the game in. Um, 
yeah, it's always good to go back there. Obviously, starting my career there, so it's has a special place for me. Um, just signed my old captain from Gillingham, Josh Wright. Be a fantastic signing from. Made his debut in the in the four two four one winner uh, Fleetwood the weekend. Be a great acquisition. Fantastic hey, player, great have, pro. Of Gillingham dropped a bollock there. Massive, you know, top goal scorer leaves on a free. Mm. Makes sense. Um, I don't think so, but you won't get any complaints is, out of me. Absolutely not. I think you know that's uh, that's one of the best signings of this season at that level. Uh, gaining Josh Wright for free at Southend. Great business from Phil Brown there. Um, so. Yeah, I hope Josh does well. I'm sure he will, and I'm, I'm sure that he'll be uh, a crowd favourite for sure. We'll have a bit of that. Uh, Paddy Kinsella, last question. Paddy Kinsella says, what do you think of the job Lee Clark's doing at Bury? I think he's assembled a fantastic squad. A lot of injuries uh, at the start of the season. and But I think what, what he has had is strong leadership from his chairman. Could quite easily have felt that he might have pulled the rug from, from under Lee, but he believes in him. He'll see what he's work, how hard he's working and I feel that it's given time that that Berry squad will be one that's challenging for the playoffs. All right, that's just about all we've got time for. There's uh, plenty of live football from the Football League on TV. Tonight is Cardiff against Leeds. On Friday night, it's QPR against Fulham. Saturday is Reading against Norwich. And Sunday, Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds again. Uh, all those games are on Sky. We will be back next week. We haven't actually decided who we're going to cover yet, so get in touch and uh, give us some ideas. Let us know on Twitter, at The Totally Show, on Facebook, at The Totally Football. Show. Uh, let us know who you want us to cover and we will do that. Give us a review, give us a rating, um, subscribe to us on iTunes because those things are our lifeblood and that's why we don't charge any kind of uh, paywall admission type duties. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for coming in, Justin. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for being here, Matt. Cheers, Ian. Thanks to producer Ben. We'll see you next week. The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddyneesmedia.com.